but I think it's healthy to look back uh, with our wedding to remember our commitment and our obligations and our vows and also even the joy and celebration and the privilege of being married, okay? So I, I think with that, I, I think I'm try- what I'm trying to say is it seems that with marriage, marriage is an institution that God has developed. It's not just cultural, although there's cultural dimension, right? Every wedding in different cultures look differently. Uh, weddings right now looks different than 100 years ago. Uh, weddings here is different than in another continent, like in Europe or in Asia or Africa, right? But nevertheless, wedding is um, a very important aspect of a, an institution that God has made, which is an institution of marriage. And God was the one that came with it. Now, I think with, in light of its importance, okay, in light of all its importance, okay, um, I want to go over this to say that Scripture realizes its importance, and therefore, in light of its importance, God's Word, what God's Word does, is actually it tells us several spiritual lessons, okay? So, we're going to see in Scripture, there's going to be four spiritual lessons, when we see God's word use the analogy of weddings, okay? When God uses the analogy of weddings, it's going to teach us how many spiritual truths? Four, okay? So four lessons of spiritual truths, okay, um, with this. Um, if you're taking notes, I'm just going to look at these real quick. These are um, each one, okay? Um, each one of them um, is, it's going to be, you know, if you're writing as just, you can write just seeing the Bible, talking about mar- uh, wedding as an analogy, um, dot 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 and then we see what it uh, what it leads to okay so point number one seeing the Bible talks about wedding as analogy we should see it's a privilege we should see it's a privilege to be in the kingdom of God we should see it's a privilege to be in the kingdom of God okay so that's lesson number one uh, seeing the Bible talks about wedding as analogy we should see it's a privilege to be in the kingdom of God so if you're taking notes um, this is based upon Matthew 22 verses 1 to 14 okay Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14, okay? Um, And then point number two, seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy, we should be humble. Seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy, we should be humble, okay? This is taught in Luke chapter 14, verses 7 to 14, okay? If you notice each passage, um, each point is going to be quite chunky scripture, but today what I'm not going to do, if you guys... You know, follow along with Sunday and stuff like that or Tuesday. You guys know I'm a very slow preacher. But today it's going to be, we're going to have a big bird's eye view and not look at all the detail. Just so that we kind of see that, man, God loves wedding. We should love wedding as a Christian. But when we think about weddings and God's word using, of course, there's Christian application, right? So again, let me repeat number two. Seeing the Bible talks about wedding as analogy, we should be humble. This is based upon Luke 14, verse 7 to 14. And point number three. Point number three. Seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy, we should be spiritually alert, okay? We should be spiritually alert. We should be spiritually alert. Um, This is based upon Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13, okay? Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. And by the way, since we have a lot of long scripture, even as we're going through this, I hope you guys have a Bible because I'm going to help ask you guys if you guys could help read these passages uh, for me out loud, okay? So point number three, again, seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy, uh, we should be spiritually alert. Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. And the final one is seeing the Bible talks about wedding as analogy. We should welcome correction from others. We should welcome correction from others. Okay? This is going to be based upon one verse. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. Okay? Seeing the Bible talks about wedding as analogy. We should welcome correction from others. Okay? These are going to be our four point. Um... 
And man, wedding is so precious and beautiful. And when God talks about this wedding and talking about as an analogy, like uh, for spiritual lessons, um, I think it drives up a point home that even as we think about it, um, this whole uh, uh, this whole lesson today is prefaced on the fact that you are a believer. And if you are a believer, the Bible actually says you're part of the church. Okay, And the Bible describes the church as what? A bride. And a bride to who, guys? A bride to fill in the blank. To cricket, cricket. A bride to Christ, right? Okay. Um, so it's to Christ. So I think in light of this, um, then we see in, if this is spiritually true, that's a spiritual basis, then these are the lessons that's to remind us, okay? By the way, all these lessons, I think sometimes it's not like we don't know. It's a privilege to be saved. It's uh, We should be humble. Um, should be spiritually alert. We should receive correction from others. But I think it's always a good reminder just for the health of our marriage, okay? Um, the health of our marriage. I do believe oftentimes people can look for the extraordinary, you know, the idea of, um, you know, last year in 2020, um, you'd be surprised how many guys um, outside of church have reached out to me to talk, ask about marriage problems, right? Um, and I remember even one couple, one of the guys that I served in the Marines with was just saying, hey, do you do you guys have a church retreat, like for married couples only? And I was like, wow, it never even dawned on my mind to do this. But then when I asked what he's looking for so I could go look around, this idea is it has to be really nice event place and maybe the food is pretty nice and everything else. And I realized, whoa, um, those are great things. But don't forget, it's not the extraordinary sometimes. We sometimes think God's grace is only the extraordinary. But don't forget God's ordinary means of grace, okay, for our health of our marriage. And really our health of our marriage is a lot determined even also as well when both husband and wife uh, walk with God, okay, walk with God. So in light of this, um, I'm trying to speak and preach this pastorally, okay? Um, so point number one, like I said earlier, is um, seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy. We should see the privilege to be in His kingdom. Let's turn to Matthew 22, verse 1 to 14. Matthew 22, verse 1 to 14. Um, since we have quite a bit of people tonight, um, is this okay? Uh, I want to ask... Um, even husband and wife to read, if that's possible. Um, and then two verses per individual, okay? Not two verse per couple, but two verse per individual, okay? So would this be okay when we turn to Matthew 22? This is going to be a long chunk, okay? Um, verses 1 to 14. But I'm going to begin, at least the way my screen looks like. Um, is it possible, Jonathan, you read verses 1 to 2? And then Yana, would you be able to read also as well 3 to 4? And then Chris and Nancy, would you be able to read verse 5 and 6? And then um, Yana, uh, not Yana, uh, Nancy, I'm sorry, read verses 7 to 8, verses 7 to 8. And then Margaret, would you be able to read verses 9 to 10? And then Edward is verses uh, 11 and 12. And then Oscar, 13 and 14. But Sophie, what ha have you start the next section, okay? So at least this is the order that I see my device. I don't know if that's how you see the device, okay? So Jonathan, when you're ready... Uh, again, two verses per individual, okay? Okay, uh, Matthew 22, 1 to 2, And Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, Kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And sent his servant to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. 
Again, he sent other servants, saying, "Tell those who are invited: See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to see the wedding feast." But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, "The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find." So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. When the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, "Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment?" And he was speechless. In Oscar thirteen and fourteen.、Uh, then the king told his attendants, "Tie him hand and foot, and throw him outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth." Okay. Looking. Go ahead. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Okay. Looking at this, any initial thoughts seeing this passage? Is there a description of a wedding? Yes. Okay.、And、by the way, this is a wedding of that of a king. Okay,、um, of that of a king. And I think when we look at this, the way he begins Jesus teaching these parables, it's clearly a parable because verse one mentions a parable. And in verses two, he compares it to what the kingdom of God is to like a wedding king, okay, a wedding feast, where it's for his son, okay.、Um, that's almost like the analogy of even like our when we when Christ comes back, right?、Um, we will be like the church united with the groom. The, which is Christ, we as a church, and here he gives a lesson here and indicates that number one,、um, the wedding is ready. Okay, if the kingdom of God is like a wedding, we see number one,、uh, the truth here from this passage is that the wedding is ready. Do you notice even the? I mean, like Jesus went to quite a details, quite some details in verses three and verses four. Do you guys see that? There's so much details. I mean, he's mentioning that he's sending slaves to call out people to invite them to the wedding. Okay. And notice in verses four, it gives even the details of what of what was prepared. It didn't just say, "Hey, there's a big meal." Notice what was what was killed. What was the meat? It was oxen, fattened、uh, and fattened livestock. Okay. Now back then, I don't think people necessarily ate meat every single day. You guys realize that's a luxury for in our first world.、Um, they don't necessarily have. You know, I, I'm saying this being partly convicted because yesterday I had Korean barbecue. Okay. Green barbecue. You could ask whatever meat.、Um, back then, when you eat beef, you when you think about it, when you kill a cow and a cow, let's just say weighs two a ton, two thousand pounds. How many of you guys could eat a whole two thousand pound alone at home? It's usually for a big occasion. In fact, it's often for weddings, for important events, for sacrifices to God, and then the whole community enjoying it, or for weddings. Okay, I, could you imagine? Like you live most of your life, you're just eating bread. And other staples, and then suddenly when there's a wedding, now you go what? This is like Korean barbecue status. You feeling me, right? Like where it's now is just like you just keep on flowing and everything else. 
Think about how juicy this, and even say fattened livestock, okay? And if they were butchered, and everyone's in, I mean, this is a feast, if you could picture it, right? This is a great big feast, okay? Um, you know, we were just earlier just praying for someone that was overseas, and, you know, this is recorded, so I'm not going to say which country. And in this country um, that we were praying for, an individual, they cannot actually eat beef. It's actually against the law to eat beef because it comes from where? Cows. And in this country, there's some people that think cows are divine, okay? And I remember this one pastor said, you know what? I re- if I ever come to America, I really want you to take me to a burger place. Or, or, or not, he didn't say burger place, where we could eat beef. And I said, oh, you had beef before? And he says, yes. When I went to a seminary in another country, in this small little um, province, there was so much Christians, they were allowing them to eat meat. You could actually eat um, beef, okay? And he says, man, I have not tasted beef in a long time. And I'm thinking, wow, okay? I'm bringing that up to say is this. Could you imagine not eating beef for a while? And then now there's a wedding feast. You would look forward. If, if you love beef, right? You would look forward to, 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 to what? To, to wedding, right? That's because that's when you finally have your kalbi and, 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 and all of that, okay? So I bring that up as I say, when you see just the juicy details of the wedding feast is ready, it even just think of it, the audiovisual of him adding, Jesus added the extra word of oxen, fattened, livestock being ready in verses four. But notice what happened. You see people rejecting the kingdom of God. You see people rejecting the wedding, okay? If the first one is the readiness of the kingdom of God for anyone to be invited. Then you see the second part, unfortunately, is it being rejected. Do you guys see this in verses five? They paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm and another to his business. And the rest seized his slave and mistreated them and killed them, okay? So this is not just, you didn't want anything to do with this, okay? But they even felt like, okay, these are these servants coming to invite people to a wedding. And instead of just turning it down and ignoring, what did they do according to verses Six, they mistreated them and killed them uh, for an invitation to win. By the way, I actually think this imagery of the slaves is actually like God's prophets going and declaring. You could be ready for the kingdom of God. God makes this offer for you to be able to have eternal life, to have be part of his millennial kingdom, uh, to be in his kingdom of God. But these people not only rejected, but treated them very roughly. Do not miss verse 6, okay? Do not miss verse 6 where they seize his slaves and mistreat him. Because then you might read this and think, wow, this king is so bad. He just had a rejection. He just sent an invite and, and gets so emotional. He's like, oh, you know what? But by the way, how many of us? I don't know. You guys know every wedding um, as, you know, counseling. I think even with you guys. I think uh, I try to tell everyone, whenever you have a wedding plan, because sinners are involved. And the more bigger it is, expect drama, Okay. You expect drama from everyone, right? Baby's mama, you know, in-laws mama, in-laws and outlaws and everything, right? Because that's the nature of sinful nature, right? So you expect drama. And how much more if you look at this? This is not just, you know, uh, someone that's just obsessed. Oh, I invited them. They didn't come. They mistreated God's servant or the king's servant. They even killed, okay, uh, with that. This is how much they despise, okay, the, the rejection of this. And, of course, you see the king's reaction, okay? Um, I mean, if you notice here, there's even uh, alliteration of ours, right? You see the readiness of the kingdom, of readiness of the wedding, right? You see the rejection, and you see also as well the rage of the king, okay? Verses 7, it says, The king was enraged, and he sent his army and destroyed those murders and set their city on fire, okay? And then next thing you know is you see in verses 8, okay? Verses 8 and 9, suddenly you see those that are the rejects 
are being invited, okay? The rejects are being invited. This is no longer the high and mighty. These are the no longer the in crowd, but these are what the downers, uh, down, uh, down and outers, so to speak, okay? Notice in verses 7 and 8, you see the rejects, so to speak, are invited, okay? So the fourth R here is the rejects are invited because it says what? He, he goes on, and uh, verses 9, I'm sorry, where you see their slaves are gathering both evil and good, and then they're celebrating, okay? But unfortunately, you see that there's someone that comes in without a wedding clothes, which, by the way, Scripture often describes God's Christ giving righteousness is like a white robe in Scripture. You guys remember that? Like Revelation. That's to show us it's not our own righteousness why we go to heaven. It's imputed. What do you mean by that? It's, it's Christ given. It's Christ credited towards us. It's not like it's, uh, uh, it's not intrinsic to our nature to be righteous because of our sin nature, right? It's because of Christ giving us the credit of his righteousness. That's where we could be right with him, okay? And you see that we have a choice here. Um, sin, what a vivid imagery. This is a celebration. And then where verse 12, the king says, Hey, how come you're without wedding clothes? The man was speechless, and then they were punished. So please don't picture this as just only like, oh man, okay. You know, if you have a, you know, please don't be the one that justify your sin. Let's just say you have a wedding, and you want everyone to dress a certain way, and they don't. And you're like, I'm going to hurt this person, because this is not the justification. Remember the previous part earlier in verses 6. These were guys that were uh, committing an insurgency, practically, an insurrection against the king. They were killing, and even seizing and kidnapping the very own servants of the king. Does that make sense? So this is not a justification. Please don't use this to say, oh, it's okay to get upset when someone don't dress the whole exact way in a wedding, okay? And remember, um, you know, even when we plan wedding, right? Ours tell people, um, no wedding plan survived the first encounter of reality, okay? Because why? Everything that you want, your groomsmen and um, whatever to be exactly, nothing will go exactly the way you planned it fully, okay? And that's just part of life, Okay? So I bring that up to say is this, if there's one thing we see here that's very prominent in this theme is the reality that it is a privilege to be in his kingdom. It is a privilege to be in his kingdom. Okay. Now I don't want to get into so much drama, but how do you guys have this struggle of like, man, who do I invite to the wedding? What if this person, what if all that? But then sometimes we have to take a step back. Sometimes people could feel so entitled. They have to be invited. But then we must always remember, guess what? We, it's always a privilege to be in anyone's wedding, true or not, okay? No one has to, so to speak, okay? Um, and I think that guards our heart, even in the future, if certain people do not invite us, right, um, to a wedding, whatever else, realize hey, it's a privilege to be able to go to any wedding, okay? It's not a right that you have to. So I think in the same way, the kingdom of God, I think we need to be reminded that it is a privilege to be in the kingdom of God. By the way, I think this has application, not only that we are should be grateful that we are saved, um, I think being Christian joy. Um, let me say this real quick. Christian joy is never based upon, is never contingent upon what our life circumstances look like at that moment. It is always contingent upon how much you love Him and you praise Him, and that you worship Him. Okay. I think there could be such. That doesn't mean Christian joy is somehow divorced or um, it, there's an absence of sadness. That's not the case. But even in the midst of life's sadness or circumstances. I think there's a place to grieve, but even then, I think there is still a dimension in the life of Christian joy. So I think the question as application is, do you have this joy, right? Do you have joy that you're saved? But the more you celebrate that, I think the more your quality of life, and also as well, even your marriage, um, is a very different perspective. You wake up every morning 
being grateful that you're saved from your sin, okay? Um, and that He saved you. That's a very different way you wake up in the morning. It's waking up of happiness and of grace and of joy, right? I think second application, because we're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God elsewhere is often talked about also as what we do in terms of our service. Like, do we have joy in serving God too, okay? There should be a sense of joy. Um, I think the older we get, sometimes we could feel, hey God, I already poured in a lot of time. I gave my youth to you. I served you. I went all out. I, I gave a lot. But man, I'm just disgruntled and maybe I don't need to be serving as much. Um, but I think to make sure we don't get in that stuck in that rut where we're not um, spiritually with God, close to Him or serving Him, is make sure your idea of serving God is always a privilege. It is always a privilege and a joy to serve God, okay? It is always a joy to serve the Lord. And where does that joy come from? I think it first comes from the fact that it's a privilege to serve Him. But also, why is it a privilege to serve Him? Even more fundamental, more basic, is that He loved you. He invited you, right? And He invited... Reading this story, it's not because we're the high and mighty that God invited us. As we see in the story, it is the rejects, right? It is the rejects, so to speak. I mean, let me reiterate these these uh, R's here, okay? We see the kingdom is ready, right? The uh, wedding is ready, okay? We see what uh, the wedding rejected. We see the 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 king's wrath, okay? Um, the king's wrath, okay? Uh, and also, what else we see is also we see that you know the rejects are invited, and that's all of us, okay? That is all of us. I think when originally Matthew twenty two is uh, Jesus first taught this He had the idea that Gentiles Would even be saved So every one of us If we're pig-eating Gentiles It is a grace of God And a privilege That we are saved So never forget that Okay Never forget that And I think it does Have an implication for our marriage too um, Sometimes we forget That it is a privilege That we are married Right It, it was not a right It's not just um, A ball and chain that we have But this is where sometimes Revisiting weddings Photos and things like that. Not that that's the only thing, but sometimes it's a reminder. Hey, this is a, this is a commitment and this is a joy, okay, and this is a gift from God. Let's go to point number two, okay. Point number two is this: seeing the Bible talk about wedding, we should be humble, okay. Seeing the Bible talk about wedding as an analogy, we should be humble. Turn with me real quick to Luke chapter fourteen, verse seven to fourteen, okay. Luke chapter fourteen, verses seven to fourteen. Luke chapter fourteen, verses seven to fourteen. If this is possible, oh, oh, Sophie is gone for the moment. Is that correct, Oscar? Oh, okay, right there, okay. Sophie, would you be able to read verses 7 to 8? Again, everyone's going to read two verses, okay? Would you be able to read verse 7 to 8? I'm still assigning, not, not yet reading, okay? And then we'll go back again. Jonathan, could you read verses um, 9 and 10? 9 and 10. And then Yana, could you read verses 11 and 12? And then Chris, you'll finish with verses 13 and 14, okay? Uh, two verses per um, again, Luke chapter 14, verse 7 to 14. Okay, I'll go ahead and start. Um, chapter 14, verse 7. When he noticed how the guests picked the place of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and you will begin You will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you arrive, go and sit in the lowest place so that 
when the host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, he said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Least they also invite you in return and you'll be repaid. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, so I think what we see here, this lesson is we should be humble, okay, with this wedding analogy. Um, in the context, Jesus was invited, it was stated that he was invited to a party, okay? And you notice in verses 7, he spoke this parable when he was an invited guest. And then he just noticed how people were trying to be the place of honor at the table, okay? So what's going on here is you see people are trying to be um, sitting down with the table in such a way that shows their, what, their importance, okay? Uh, and of course, what's driving it is the issue of pride. So when Jesus addresses, and by the way, even backing up a little bit, apparently in Jesus' ministry, if you think about it, Jesus, why does he speak in these parables about weddings and stuff? Is actually think Jesus went to weddings quite a bit, okay? Went to weddings quite a bit. And if we could give the analogy, I mean, you know, I think most people, I, I, I think the statistics is um, our generation millennials, there's issue about, you know, so, uh, some segment of the population aren't really interested in getting married, Right? Or enough to for action, and there's a, some some of that is is also sociological, you know, where it's harder, right, financially, that kind of thing, and, and you know, there's all kinds of things, okay, with that. But I bring that up to say is this: traditionally, in most places, people got married far younger, okay, um, and in light of this, um, you know, compared to our, I think our current millennial generation, um, you know, a lot more percentage of people were married, so wedding was a part of daily life. Regular life, or not daily life, but regular living, okay? In light of this, when there's bigger families and with uh, families with many kids, then they get married, and it was a, a part of really um, normal. You could picture the scenario where it's multiple weddings, right, throughout the year, okay? So in light of this, when Jesus is suddenly in the wedding, and even Jesus' first miracle, don't forget, was what? Was turning water into wine, with a wedding, okay? So when you look at this passage here, when he was invited, he addressed this issue of pride and importance when he says in verses 8 and say, hey, don't take the place of honor when you go there, okay? Uh, and then he goes on in verses 9 and says, hey, and he who invited you both will come and say to you, give this place to the man, and then in disgrace, you proceed to occupy the last place. So he points out with this is that, hey, when it comes to weddings, you know, you don't want to self-assign yourself the seat, seat where it is important, okay? But verses 9, clear, make sure why. Is this is because you don't want to be, what, shamed. You think you're so high up there. And then now suddenly someone says, oh, you're not supposed to be here, okay? And then it shows what, um, you know, like, oh, wow, then it's going to be really humbling, okay? Maybe an analogy I could give is wedding. You know how sometimes weddings, there's tables, the more, when they have the reception, the more closer it is to the stage. And sometimes people think, oh, I got to be up front. You walk up there, you sit down, and then, oh, no, well, there's already a sign saving. And sorry, you're way in the back over there near the corner, near the trash can, whatever. And then you're like, oh, totally humiliated, okay? I bring that up as an example is you don't want to be sitting in the place of greatest posture because you don't want to be disgraced. What if you were not in that place. But and then it goes on in verse 10. But when you're invited, go and recline to the last place. So that when one who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, move up closer, that you will have honor in the sight of all who are at the table with you. Okay? So you want to come in humble already? So Because the second motivation is not just, number one, it's just a, it might be shame that, 
you think of yourself too importantly, but also you'll be what promoted, so to speak. Okay, you'll be promoted. Okay, and if you look at verses eleven, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The truth of verses nine to ten is now crystallized in one sentence form, which is what the principle is. A, if you would be what exalt himself, if you lift yourself high, you will be humbled. If you humble yourself, you'll be exalt, exalted, okay? And then that's a principle that Jesus is trying to teach us, right? Really for us to be humble in light of this wedding analogy. And in verse 12, he says, And he went on to say, The one who, is invited, who, who invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Um, otherwise, you might also, they might also invite you in return, and they, that would be a repayment. So notice Jesus didn't even just say, what it is to be like a guest with humility is even saying when you invite people, right? Invite people. Sometimes we would like to say, right, in the world when they have their party, they like to say, "Hey, this famous actor or famous singer is going to be here at this party," right? But here, notice the opposite. Jesus is saying, "Hey, even how you invite people, consider humility." Okay, not inviting those who will repay you. But look at verse thirteen. But when you give reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Okay. In verse 14, and you will bless, and you will be blessed, since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will, will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. I would actually say when the resurrection of the righteous, that is actually our spiritual wedding as a church with Christ. Okay? And I think Jesus is mixing these metaphors here, and it's beautiful because he's making a point. And again, this is not necessarily saying like we in every wedding we must invite everyone that's not important. That's not what it's saying. I think there's a general principle of life. Is also, A, who do you eat with? Who do you fellowship? Breaking bread is very important, right? Often people would only eat and dine with those that are what? That they think is greater than them just to climb the social ladder of some sort. But Jesus is also saying, hey, no, even also humble yourself to be with those who are breaking in bread that might not be able to pay you back, that even others. And I think the key moment of this is actually humility, not only when you get invited, you're grateful, you're humbled, you know, um, it's it's a privilege, but also even the way you go about how you invite people um, with things, okay? I think I want to challenge us with that as application. Um, seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy, uh, for the kingdom of God, we should be humble. Um, be humble in the way you minister, even in the way you lead, but also be humble in the way... Um, in every way, right? Even the opportunity. I know scripture talks about that husbands, all of us, we're supposed to be the leader. Um, but also in leading, if we don't have humility as a leader, then we could get very tyrannical very fast, okay? I don't want to go into too much headlines. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen anything of the news. They're saying that, and I think this is probably true, that Putin probably wanted this war without, like, good advisors, Right? I think very likely he's going to win, but also I think the cost has been very high um, in terms of globally and in the actual war. Because why? He no longer has people that tells him where well, this is not a good idea, okay? There's an echo chamber. And I bring this up as to say that for us as leaders, may we not be one who live in an echo chamber. Um, and part of it is we have to be humble, okay? Um, and this is an application for all of us, um, if it is true, the first point is that it's a privilege to be in the kingdom of God. We should see the way, even in the church, it's not about promoting how important we are, 
like, oh, he, there's an opportunity to go to church so that people will say, hey, guys, look, I'm Deacon Fred or whatever else, right? With a, uh, have a card or whatever. It's to say it's opportunity to serve, okay? Um, again, it's a privilege. Um, and also, we should be humble, okay? We should be humble with the wedding. Um, uh, with that, let's go to point number three. We should go to point number three. Um, seeing the Bible talks about wedding as an analogy for the kingdom of God, we should be spiritually alert, okay? Let's now turn to Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Um, I think we left off with Nancy um, Chan. Would you be able to read uh, Matthew, 50, uh, 20, uh, Matthew 25, the first two, verse 1 and 2? Then Margaret, would you be able to read verse 3 and 4? Um, I know this is going to be a little bit longer. Um, and then um, Edward, ver read verses 5 and 6. 5 and 6. Oscar, verses 7 and 8. 7 and 8. And then Sophie, verses 9 and 10. And then um, Jonathan, verses uh, 11 and 12. And then Yana, ver verse 13. Chapter 25. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, they did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oils and oil in jars along with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midday there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while you were on the way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the doors were shut. Afterward, the other virgins came and also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. For it will be like a man going on. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much, Yang. Okay. Um, so, thank you guys all for reading. Like, reading this passage, I mean, this is a pretty sobering parable. Again, this is Jesus speaking. And if you notice, um, all of our three points is actually... In the occasion where Jesus gives parables, and all of it is from weddings, right? Um, this main point of all of this is actually to be spiritually alert, to be ready. It just by way of context, Matthew 24 and 25, where we're reading, the chapter before this and the chapter 25, is really focusing on Christ coming back. Christ coming back. Matthew 24, if you remember the disciples asked three questions like, when would the temple be destroyed when you're coming back? Okay, one of these things you say happens. Um and then here we see in uh, Matthew 25, what's going on here is Jesus gives a parable about really his second coming, the second coming that he has. And in the second coming, what we see is we are to be ready. And he compares people to 10 virgins. This is the idea of more of that there's wedding, that you're waiting for the uh, bride uh, groom party to arrive, like the, the, um, you know, the, the, the husband. Right? He's going to come over and they're waiting. And you're supposed to be waiting. You're excited. But then they decide to do what? They decide to go. To five were prudent and five were foolish. The foolish one, what do they do? They took no oil with them. They just think, oh, you know, let's not be ready. Let's not take this important. 
Um, and then the other five is what? They did have oil. They were just thinking, okay, well, let's be prepared. A wedding, let's just be prepared for every contingency, right? And then notice in verses five, while the bridegroom was delayed because every wedding does not survive, what every wedding plan will always go, what there's something that do not go according to plan. No wedding plan survived the first encounter with what? With reality, okay? So if you look here, they were running late, okay? If you see here, they're running late. Um, um, but then it's midnight, verses 6. Behold, the bridegroom uh, come out to meet him. And then the, when they went out, notice some did not ha were not ready. And then they're having their party, right? But then while the other ones, because they're not ready, now they're trying to do all these things. Okay, go get purchase the oil and lamp. And then by that time, they've already missed the grand entrance, right? Put, to put this in perspective, could you imagine having a wedding and... Suddenly out of nowhere, like maybe let's just say entering the reception hall or whatever, uh, suddenly like certain important um, groomsmen or bridesmaids were not there, right? The people that you have very dear, they didn't really care and they just kind of wander off or, or they didn't did anything. I mean, every wedding has dramas, right? Maybe you could think of even your memory of there's certain individuals that, man, this is a responsibility and privilege, but wow, they're not really... Um, really care about it right they're not even there they're you know outside everywhere but everywhere else but there that's a situation you can imagine that the bride and the groom might not be as happy okay might not be as happy so in this circumstance here i think jesus is trying to teach us this principle is to be on alert as you see in verses 13 be on alert then for you do not know the day or the hour what's this day or hour is with christ coming back and i think what's implying here is christ's second coming it's going to be described as that of a wedding, as that as a wedding, right? As a wedding feast. And by the way, I love the gospel story, how the gospel story changes things around. Like you usually think of weddings as the beginning part of a marriage, right? And yet Christ also described us as already what? As bride and as what? Um, we're the bride of Christ. Let me ask you guys this question. If you're a believer right now, are you already part of the bride of Christ, the church? Like the spiritual church. The answer is yes. Okay? We're already bright. But then when does the wedding take place? Is it future or already um, past? Future. future. In fact, Christ is a great reversal if you think about it, right? You often think of like people when they're married, maybe they're much more attractive than when they are 40 years into their marriage. Like physically attractive, right? And Because your body breaks down, you're getting older. But if you notice with Christ, with the spiritual wedding, with the church, it's a great reversal. Um, yeah, there's a point when you get saved. That's your baptism. Uh, or when you get baptized, that's to show you you join as a member of the church. But that's not ever described as a wedding in, in Scripture. But the wedding is described later, right? Because that's when you're perfected. So we go from more sinful. So it's opposite of physical wedding. Instead of like you get married, wedding, boom, and everything goes downhill, so to speak, quote unquote, from there in terms of how the world sees it. It's the opposite with scripture. It's boom, we started out in Christ, but we are so messed up with things. Then Christ sanctifies up and down motion. And then when we meet him finally with the great wedding, guess what happened? We are perfected. But that's later. Okay. So if you think about it, scripture's wedding is this great reversal. It's one that we're looking forward to, okay? Um, we're looking forward to it. And what we see here is we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. We need to be ready for that. How many of you guys, I just want to ask, just want to just um, ask you guys, and you guys can answer, who here um, started planning their wedding um, a year before it happened? I'm just curious if anyone here. 
more than a year before. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. Who here? Um, I don't think anyone prepared it the week before. Anyone here? At the week before you finally get a boat or a week before you finally says, oh, okay, I, I finally picked the place. That would be kind of crazy. But by the way, that's okay too. If You know, sometimes there's certain circumstance, you know, with that you just get married, okay? Um, but I think most of us have this idea that this is important. We got to be ready, right? Uh, we got to be ready. Uh, you know, people pick out their what? Their tucks ahead of time probably, right? Um, I like this usually uh, as a pastor with working with this where, you know, the groom... Needs to remind. I think I, I have a feeling it happens more with guys than with women. Like guys, the groom have to really follow through with who, the groomsmen. Hey, did you go pick up your tux yet? Talk to me. Anyone ever had this? They, you know, like the place that you have the rental call and say, hey, uh, your your best man hasn't picked up the uniform or not the uniform, the the clothes yet. Anyone ever have this? And you're like, huh? I thought he did. Why wouldn't he? This is important. Where I mean, talk to me now. Anyone convicted? If anyone follow that, or am I the only one? Okay. So I'm bringing this to say is what. We should be alert. We should be ready, right? You should go show up on time, not late, okay? So I think in the same way, when we think about spiritual wedding, we should be spiritually alert to be focused on Christ, to look forward to the day when we will be united with Christ and we will be perfected and that we will be presented in glory for His glory. So as application... I think, do you, are you spiritually alert? Like, I mean, you live your life, we could easily just go through the routine of nine to five, you know, come home from work, read it to the kids a little bit or be on our phone and then that's it. And that's like the purpose. But no, spiritually, we are to be spiritually alert, spiritually alert for men, with our, for ourselves and our kids and our wives and stuff like that. Um, and also all of us, even wives should be spiritually alert that there is a spiritual reality we live for God, and we should care about His kingdom and advancing of His kingdom and pleasing Him, okay? So that's point number three. Let's go on to point number four. Seeing the Bible talks about wedding as analogy means we should welcome correction from others, okay? This is the last point. Um, for the last point, um, Rebecca or Abigail, could I have one of you guys be a happy, motivated volunteer to read for us? Big girl voice. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 11.2. 2 Corinthians 11.2. Would you be able to read this out loud for us? 2 Corinthians 11.2. For, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. To Christ. Does your virgin have to Christ? Oh. Oh, you know what? I, oh, God, I cut and paste in NIV. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, so reading this verse, um, this verse blows my mind away because um, this verse actually has implication that if we are really preparing for a wedding day, we should welcome correction for others. In the context, this is Paul writing to a church that has a lot of issues. I think we all have been enough hearing enough Bible study. We all know the church in Corinth is pretty messed up, right? So messed up, they didn't have one long letter. They had two, okay, in, in the Bible. And notice, Should we say is Second Corinthians eleven two? Yeah, 2 Corinthians eleven two. I'll read it again. Um, for I am jealous with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed to you, you to one husband, so that to Christ I may present you as a pure virgin. 
This is Paul talking about, he's almost like saying he's the one that introduced the church to Christ to be married. Okay? And I think the analogy is pretty significant here because it describes his role as a minister, as a servant of God. Is Why is he shepherding? Why is he correcting all of them? It's to prepare them for what? The wedding day so that it would be presented like a bride, like almost like a father presenting a daughter where there is what? Purity and godliness and beauty with all that. Does that make sense, the imagery here? And you know what I see significant is this is sometimes we could see like the idea of a pastor or a church leader or small group leader. If they're asking us tough questions or if they're correcting us, we see it's, you know, we get pretty offended. We get pretty mad and say, hey, it's not your place, that kind of thing. But, you know, the imagery here is one of love when we are corrected here. The imagery here is one where we are corrected to be preparing for a wedding, okay? If you were to be in a wedding, you know, like when they take pictures with all, you know, each one, people are getting ready, right? How many of you guys are double-checking everything? Anyone? Guys and girls, right? I think, uh, I actually think, I know this sounds really weird, I actually think the closest group of guys that can relate to, because I actually think women, generally speaking, as a rule of thumb, generally speaking, of course, there's great exception. The ones that, which gender cares more about the appearance for the wedding the most, I think is with the the sister side, the woman side, right? Like the dress and everything, right? Like it's a big, it's like, you know, the whole glory of that moment, right? You know, all guys' suit looks, to me, looks the same, whatever, right? Where, where, but I think if there's a group of guys that I think that's most closest to understanding, appreciating the woman analogy, I know this sounds really narcissistic or whatever, but I'm going to go with this. I actually think it's Marines in weddings with the dress blues. What I'm bringing up is to say there's a point. Um, my best friend, Jin, when he got married about three years ago, I remember he had the dress blues, and I saw all our veteran friends. When he had the dress blue, everyone goes up to him, look at the you know, metal to see, is it really one eighth of an inch? Right? Everyone's looking at even the creases, right? And, I'm, and I'm, I remember looking, and none of the Marines, like he had two guys that were the swordsmen, for the wedding, like everyone went up to them to, you know, they slapped their hands, like, you know, make sure your gloves is, is pure white. There's not even a gray. And everyone's going because they felt like that represented something more than that person, right? And, and none of those guys got upset. Like even Jin, when I was like, oh, Jin, man, I need to correct your medals. He's not like, oh, okay. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Could you do this for me? You know, with the one eighth rule, and I'm, and I'm doing this, right? With the one eighth, one, one eighth all throughout the weird pocket lining, okay? And, and then adjusting and making it super tight, okay? And then while he's sitting there, I'm just like, keep on the crease, just like keep on rubbing like crazy to make it stand sharp. And then I saw other guys do the same constantly. And I'm thinking, wow, this is really strange that everyone saw as almost public property. If you wear the uniform of other veterans, they go and they correct. And everyone received it. None of those guys, the three guys that wore the uniform, no one got offended. No one at all. That when, even when adjusting, that okay, thank you for adjusting this. Right? They wear the hat, we're, and then we're looking at all the buttons, making sure all the buttons are not sideways, that the eagle is exactly 90 degrees. Like, we are so, like, you know, with that, right? Then we're looking at his pants. We're making sure, that, oh, Jen's pants, like, uh, you know, you lost some weight, but, man, we need to make sure that thing has got to be tight on you, man. It cannot look flimsy, okay? We're looking at his waist. We're looking at, at the thing where, you know, some of the, one of the guys... Um, I don't know if he got short or whatever, but it's like dangling. And we're like, no way, man. And I got some, um, what do you call it? I got those needles to point it up a little bit, to, to have it up so it doesn't hang. Because we just need it to look super sharp, right? And, and if you know anything of those uniforms, guys wear this weird thing that almost looks really weird. Like a woman's 
gown it's why it looks so tight is because we have this thing where we hang on the uniform the shirt that pulls it so tight it goes to your pants like your shoes you wear and then every time you stand it pulls the shirt super strong it's not because the uniform is that it's because the there's actually we wear this thing that looks like a garter to me underneath if you take out our pants we wear this long string garter looking thing that pulls our uniform always looks super sharp okay and i'm making sure that we're all doing all this to make sure it's tight now why i'm like sharing all this detail is this when we're preparing for a wedding, we know that it needs to look sharp, right? We need to know it needs to look good. No one, no one here, when you're in a wedding, someone says, hey, 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 hey look at your mouth. You have, you have, like, you have, um, you still have celery stuck in your teeth. Ew, look, it's this green, dark green celery. Sticking to, no one would be like, I'm so offended you said it. You'll be, oh, whoa, yeah, thank you for, for mentioning this, right? For, for, for this, right? You know, like... You would be what? Some of you guys would probably swallowing those scope thing, right? Like those things just to make sure you don't have no bad breath whatsoever, okay? Because we know the importance of it. It's too important to just say, hey, it's just whatever, casual. You know what? When it comes to ministry, if we really understand that preparing to meet with Christ in the grand wedding that's going to be in the air when we're caught up in the air, one day the church will be for Christ, is so important then you would see the correction you get very differently and actually maybe less personally because you're focused on how important what it is that's going to happen. In fact, you might be grateful. And I see this in, again, 2 Corinthians eleven two. He says, I am jealous with you of a godly jealousy. I betrothed you to one husband to present you as pure virgin. Like he's, this Paul is trying to make sure that, hey, they are looking good. The bride looks good, okay? Or even the, for you men, to look good in your outfit, right? When someone's over there making sure, hey, there's no lint, right? If you're rolling again and again, whatever else, it, it got to look that way, okay? So in the same way, I think using this wedding analogy, I hope that opens us to even see the perspective of why we need the church and even the right perspective of what does it look like when we are corrected. And really even the right, res- right perspective means right response. Of course, we will all sin, the pastor is even sinful. I am in need of grace. We need to also tell one another where we need to be what? Um, right with God. Um, and I, I hope you guys know this. I always feel that I'm a church man first. I've never really felt that I wear the, wear the hat of a pastor first. I was a member of the TCAC before I was ever wearing the hat of a pastor or reverend or whatever it is, the ordination in 2020, right? Um, it's to say that we are one another believe priesthood of believers we all need to be corrected and we all need grace okay and we correct one another with grace and if you understand the perspective is the wedding the way we correct will be very different right we're not just getting dwelling on them oh why you mess up but it's like wow okay we got this i'm glad this is done so that we go on to bigger things the wedding to meet with christ in his glory in our glory because he's changed us all this is based upon the gospel that he loved us he redeemed us amen no longer recorded. Um, any uh, questions and applications?